1: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing college esports. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice as all information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Joey, or Dr. G to his friends. He's an associate professor and a director of esports program at Shenandoah University. He's also a co-founder and partner of esports development and growth enterprise, EDGE what specializes in collegiate esports program development, esports curriculum development, and esports event management. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, Justin, thanks for having me here. Looking forward to the conversation for sure.
1: My pleasure. So to start, you know, introduce yourself, you know, tell us about your prior esports and gaming experience, you know, what was the first game you played? <laughs> oh geez. Going
2: back way back in the day. Um, no, Justin, like you said, uh, my name is Joey Garizia. I'm a professor and a director of an esports program at Shenandoah University, where basically I oversee all aspects of the program from the academic side to the competitive side and the professional development, the arena management. So basically everything falls under me, which really means that I hire people much smarter than me to do the actual work, and I act like I'm actually doing the work. Um, but I've uh, been here for about 10 years now at the university. Used to teach in sport management, and I uh, moved over to eSports because of my line of research and developed the uh, academic program at Shenandoah. Uh, competed in Halo when I was in college, um, so I grew up playing video games, like everybody, or you know, grew up playing video games, grew up playing traditional sports as well. Um, so really interested in the sport management field, and then when I realized that I could talk about video games and competitive video games, I was like, man, that's the area to get into right there. It's really cool. Because when I played Halo, and this is, this Justin, this is a good Halo. This isn't the newest one. This isn't Halo 3 or even 2 or anything this after that. This is the first one. This is the first one. This is combat evolved. This is the only one worth anything. This is with the OP pistol and blood gulch capture the flag that would last for three hours, um, you know, back in the dorms at the University of Georgia. So that's where, that, that was my heyday in gaming. And uh, competed in that for a number of years, you know, mostly semi-pro, not even semi-pro, um, but uh, kind of lit that spark that was there for esports, um, and kind of c- continued it to where we are today. But the first game I played, my goodness, man, um, you know, ET was one of those first games I played on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and that's a terrible introduction to video games. Um, Surprised I even kept playing afterwards, but of course, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, I played a lot of baseball games like King Griffey's All-Star Baseball, RBI Baseball for the Nintendo, you know, things of that nature. Legend of Zelda, played them all, my favorite series of all time. So those are kind of the games that got me going. And then Halo really got that introduction to the esports part of things and led to us getting involved in the academic space.
1: Amazing. So, you know, definitely a big... Zelda Ocarina of Time fans, yes, with, sir. I'm with you on that. Um, so tell us a little about the program at Shenandoah. How did it start? Why did you guys start developing this eSports curriculum?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it started about four years ago, maybe four and a half years ago at this point. And it started on the competitive side with a with a club, just like a lot of schools start with. But during that time, the university was exploring other options in the academic space to be innovative. You know, what are some other programs we could add to the university on the academic side to try to meet learners where they are, to entice learners to to come here, to get an education, to feel they're passionate about what are the industries to look at. And so we looked at things like culinary arts. We looked at medical degrees. We looked at engineering degrees. You know, we looked at a number of different things and we're starting some of those at the university. And I was the faculty senate president at the time. And so I was actually in charge of talking to the president about these new programs. And I, you know, half jokingly, I threw in esports. As an academic endeavor, and uh, she looked at me and said, "Esports, let's make that happen." I was like, "No, Tracy, that doesn't exist as an academic program." In fact, at the time, only Becker College had an had an academic program, an esports major in the U.S. There were a couple other programs, like at UCI, a couple abroad, like Staffordshire and a couple other schools, but really nobody else in the U.S. besides Becker had a major. And she said, "Make it happen." And I said, okay, because when the president tells you to make something happen, you make something happen. So
1: how did it happen? How'd you make it happen?
2: Yeah, you know, it started with a lot of curriculum development. So I was in sport management at the time, and I kind of looked at the curriculum for sport management, and we got an esports advisory committee together from professionals in the industry, as well as people at the collegiate side, people at the high school side of things, uh, and I asked them, what is a curriculum that you think would be worthwhile for our students to take that would prepare them for possible careers in and through eSports you know and Justin, that's an important part. We're not just preparing students for careers in eSports, we're preparing them for careers outside of it through the eSports curriculum. So took the sport management curriculum that I helped develop here at Shenandoah. Derived uh, an esports curriculum out of it with input from professionals and that advisory board, and we we rolled it out. I got it approved through the curriculum committee. Got things started, and uh, we were able to start offering that as an academic major back in the fall of 2018. And so, uh, so it's been it's been a good ride. We've been adjusting things ever since, as you do with new curriculum, Uh, making small tweaks here, big tweaks there. Looking at our assessment tools, looking at our outcomes. But uh, yeah, we just kind of got things started and a lot of input from a lot of people to make sure that we were developing a curriculum that made sense for people in the industry, but also made sense to help prepare our students adequately and meet them where they were and where their interests were.
1: I think it's a really great point that you bring up. And I think that's one of the, you know, the chief differentiating points between what some academic institutions are offering and others is just good to know the history of esports and, you know, business of esports. That's all fun. But if you're going to build something, it needs to be translatable to other skills. So tell us a little about some of the courses that are offered there.
2: Sure. Um, So we have, like everybody does, the Intro to Esports course, which, like you said, has that history in there, which is an important component to have in there. But it goes way, way beyond that. You know, you get into things like publishers, you get into developers, and the difference between those two terms, a lot of people don't even understand that side of it. Then you get into players, you get into different games, you get into different leagues that you compete in. And so you cover a lot of the the breadth without much depth in there. And then after that 101 class, you get into contemporary issues, so you can teach students about not just esports content. But critical thinking skills, group projects and how to work in a group, adaptability, things of that nature. So you're learning a lot of those soft skills to go along with the esports knowledge through that contemporary issues class. And then we get to our upper level courses like event management, structure and governance, esports performance to talk about the coaching, the health, nutrition side of things. Uh, And so a lot of this esports consumerism is kind of our business class, which honestly needs to be broken down into a couple of different courses And then we're looking at new courses that we can possibly add in there to make sure students are getting a good, well-rounded view of the esports ecosystem, not just esports business, but the ecosystem around coaching, health, performance, around nutrition, around the the technical side of it. Um, You know, so all those different areas, broadcast production, content creation, a big part of the industry, obviously. So those are some of the courses that we have, but the most important class we have And the most universal class we have is the experiential learning class. And that's, what does that mean? Well, it's a broad term that means we don't just want our students in the classroom talking about esports. We want them in the field doing esports because an esports degree in and of itself is not worth anything. You know, it's, it's a college degree. It's okay. It's worth something. But to help get a job, you need to have experiences. You need to have practical experiences on your resume, a portfolio, and a network of connections that you can draw on by the time you graduate to go along with a degree that you got in eSports. So the experiential learning and internship requirements were things that people in the industry said were a must-have and the things that our students get the most benefit from to help prepare them for a career because it's that hands-on learning Outside the classroom, that adequately really prepares them and shows them what work in esports might look like. Um, from running events to doing a broadcast to coaching people up, um, some of our different teams that we have here, all of those are part of that experiential learning that are options for our students to take while they're here. So, even through these classes, classroom learning is great, classroom discussion is great, but the biggest thing that we can get them is that hands on experiential learning.
1: I mean, I 100% agree with that. I think, as someone who's you know grown up in the entertainment industry, starting in the more music world, where you know every single semester of college, I had an internship in the industry, and every summer, and it was where I was done with college. I had a pretty impressive resume to that level, mm-hmm. and that's always been the advice that I've you know given anyone, where it's like. You have to be in this industry because working with talent, musicians, gamers, publishers, these different creatives is different than working in everyday job. There's a sure. certain flair, a certain vernacular, the way you engage with people that you can only learn by doing it. And I think that as you mentioned, you know, you can't understand how to operate an event until you're actually operating an event <laughs> and going through what it takes to secure DJ and lighting and sound and engineers and Tech check and all of these little things that you can read about in a book, but until it's day of and it's lights on and we got to start taking tickets, you don't really know what it's like until the show's on the road. Right. Talking
2: about in a classroom is one thing, actually, doing it is completely different.
1: Absolutely. So I know you kind of mentioned, you know, some classes and development in the future. So is there anything that you think is, you know, necessary or valuable that's currently lacking in courses that exist? Something that you feel like students or universities might find really valuable?
2: Yeah, you know, the biggest one for us, Justin, and this isn't true of a lot of other academic esports programs because a lot of them include it, is having that dedicated esports production class. I think that at the undergrad level, we have one at the grad level, but we don't currently have a dedicated course to that broadcast production side of things, which is such a critical part of the ecosystem. Um, Even if students don't work in that side of the industry, it's still a critical part when you talk about event management. You better have some kind of broadcast production knowledge to help put an event on. So I think that's going to be the next class that we have is something around broadcast production. And then the other one, and this is true for any, really any major on a college campus these days, is a professional development class. Something for students to take to learn how to have a conversation how to interact with people, how to engage in conversations, how to ask the right questions, how to build a resume and cover letter, those kind of things as well. But just something in personal sales or bra- or professional development that helps students, all students, get an idea about what it's like to interact with people and put the skills you're learning in a class or a major, put them actually in a real world situation where you've got to not only have knowledge, but you've got to have those soft skills to go along with it. So that's another one we want to institute here soon is a a professional development class that is not just even for esports students, but certainly required for our esports students.
1: Amazing. I think that that's, you know, something that's unique and will definitely set them apart because, you know, dealing with a CEO of a company or a head of marketing, like there's a way you engage <laughs> with these people that is not how you maybe engage with your peers. And yeah, you, you hope know, not. the email, even the subject line of an email tells a lot and will help you know, an email get opened or won't.
2: Yep, exactly, man. I mean, it's it's critical, and students don't realize that. A lot of them that are taking esports classes or or compete in esports think that oh, it's esports, it's different. This is how I talk to people to get a job. I tell them, no, 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 this is not acceptable. This is not how you present yourself to professionals in this billion dollar industry. That well, I get that it can be a little bit different. Still wearing sweatpants and a, a hoodie to a job interview with a resume that does not have the right information is not going to be a good first impression. After you make that good first impression and you want to tailor it back a little bit, then we can have that conversation. But let's make a really solid professional first impression, and then we can adjust things if we need to.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's something that, you know, they just learn over time. So Mm -hmm. I know I saw something recently with, you know, the Washington Justice that the school does. So what are some unique experiences you're providing the students that kind of go beyond the classroom?
2: Yeah, yeah. I love the word beyond. Beyond gaming is our tagline here. so great use of beyond. Um, yeah, the Justice have been a fantastic partnership. Uh, the Washington Justice, the Overwatch League team, uh, they're basically their CEO. He's their vice president of esports business. Grant Peranjepe has been such an advocate for our students to have those hands-on learning opportunities. He actually teaches a course with us every semester and they provide an internship for our students every semester, one internship per semester. So it's a competitive process where they submit a cover letter, resume, go through an interview with the justice, uh, and they're able to work with a professional esports organization. And so that's a really, really great opportunity where we're able to provide them with students that are understanding the field, that workforce, but also they're able to provide us with those opportunities that our students are craving. And that again, We've heard over and over are so valuable for esports education, which are those internships, those hands on learning experiences. So, that has been a really, really great partnership and something that provides a unique esports experience here at Shenandoah. And then also is the international stuff. You know, we've taken two international trips um, over the course of the last couple of years, and that's saying a lot in the time of COVID because traveling anywhere, especially internationally, has been a challenge for the past couple of years. But we've taken students to Seoul, South Korea, to work the International Esports Federation World Championships back in 2019. And we just took students this year, about two months ago in October of 2021, to Amsterdam to work at the H20 Esports campus and run the Dutch League of Legends finals, as well as talk with professionals in the industry from the competitive side as well as production side about working in esports. And so those international experiences are really unique for what we 're trying to do, and goes along with the mission of Shenandoah University to develop those those citizens of the world that understand different cultures and different language and how to navigate those differences and how to look at things from a different perspective because everybody solves problems differently, and looking at those different perspectives internationally is really valuable for our students to be able to have that chance to travel abroad to interact with people around the world, people they would never otherwise talk to in a setting that makes sense to them like eSports. So I think those partnerships and those international opportunities are really the biggest way that we provide those unique experiences for all the SU students.
1: I mean, those are pretty amazing, you know, being able to go to another country and even watch an eSports event, let alone being, you know, participating and engaging on that high level is probably really exciting for the students.
2: Hey, it's exciting for me, too. I get to travel to Amsterdam. Are you kidding me? I, oh, I mean, darn. I got a tough job. I have to travel to Amsterdam like, with students. Sorry, honey. I will be out <laughs> yeah. for... Yeah. Got to go for a week to Amsterdam. Sorry. I'll be back in a week.
1: I'll let you know how it is. So why is working with you know this demographic, the college-age um, students, so interesting and unique?
2: I think it's the passion they have. Uh, I think that that's the biggest thing for me because... I'm not getting any younger, Justin. You know, I played a faculty staff dodgeball game last week and I'm on a, literally I'm on a cane today. My wife brought me a cane <laughs> and I'm going to the physical therapist this Thursday uh, because my knee is messed up. So I'm not getting any younger, but you know, that passion is there for me, but seeing the passion in students and the drive they have at this age is really great because it reignites that fire that we all have, and that sometimes you just need that extra push to keep it going. Not that we don't want to work in esports or our higher ed anymore, but sometimes it's good to have that, that fresh outlook on things, that, that passion that exists in students this age. And they've got some great ideas. They've got some really terrible ideas sometimes too, but I like hearing hmm. all ideas, whether they're good or bad, because they're enthusiastic about it. And, and so it really helps kind of relight re, re the fires for me, re, keep things fresh in the way that we do things and look at things because every student that comes in has a different thought and perspective on things and so it's really great to work with this age student because you can treat them a little differently than high school students you know i worked in high schools for a couple of years before moving to the collegiate system um and it's a different type of student you know they they have a different outlook on life and they're on their own for a lot of them for the first time ever and so it's it's seeing that freedom they have and seeing them grow from the ages of 18 to 22 usually that really kind of sets them apart. And that's not all students at universities. You know, We have some older students, some transfer students, non-traditional, military, but it's really all of them. The, the common denominator is that they're passionate and they want to be here. A lot of high school students don't want to be there, but college students, they want to be here and they want to succeed. So that drive and that passion is really ideal to work with.
1: Absolutely, like that new blood it's like, oh, this they're not as jaded of working in this for a decade or whatever it is, yeah, exactly, so shifting a little bit, I know you mentioned that you know the school is a competitive team, so are you involved in the recruitment process how does how does that work? How do you kind of get on a team, all that cool.
2: stuff yeah, the recruitment, what an inexact science, my goodness, you know, I have so much respect for. People in traditional athletics that do college recruiting because that is that's a whole job is being a college recruiter for getting people to play you know football or volleyball or lacrosse or whatever it might be. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of relationship building, uh, and so I am involved heavily on the recruitment process. But what that means is that right now at this point we are much more reactive than proactive, which is not sustainable. But it's kind of a product of what we have right now in that being one of the first to market with the esports curriculum and the opportunities we have, you know, also having the competitive team that while we haven't won a national championship yet, we've gotten close. We finished runner up a few times. Um, We, uh, we offer the opportunity to compete as well. And students at this point have kind of sought us out and have set up times with our admissions team to come visit campus or take a tour of the arena, see an esports class. And I bring those students in and then I take it from there but as far as being proactive and reaching out, I haven't been able to do that really to a large extent yet because I just haven't had the time to do it yet. I need a dedicated person to help me with that. And that's hard to do because everybody's asking for more people, more staff, more faculty, some for recruiting, some for broadcasting, some for teaching. And so trying to figure out where you can find those people is really tough. But to this point, I've been, I've leaned on people like E And Intel Inspires. I've leaned on Stay Plugged In heavily. These are third-party people and companies that help with the recruitment process and are connecting high school esports players to collegiate opportunities. And so developing a page on their website and having events that they put on and attending those events where I can talk to students and get the word out about what we do at Shenandoah has really helped. And honestly, without them, I don't know where our recruitment would be. So they've really helped a lot. And so at this point, that's what it looks like. And then I connect students into our Discord server, connect them with other students at the university, other players on the teams they're interested in, other faculty members, the coaches that we have. And so it really starts with me. And then I filter it down to the appropriate people to also make that second connection with these recruits. But like I said, It's been largely reactive to this point because I haven't been able to really fully figure out how to do things proactively and how that fits into the fuller schedule. But I'm telling you, I would love to do that. I just don't know the best way to do it.
1: Interesting. So then there's like a tryout process or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, there
2: is. And so we run open tryouts for all of our games. Uh, Right now we have six varsity games and three club games and we run open tryouts at the beginning of every semester. Uh, The tryouts in the fall are usually, you know, a lot more unknown because you usually know who's coming back for the spring, uh, who's going to be on the team. But you get some transfer students in, you get some students starting late and starting the spring instead of the fall. So there might be a couple of changes here and there, but really the fall season, when we do those open tryouts for everybody, uh, is, is the most unknown. And we have them all come in. We work with our coaches. We do some things like listening to communication, watching mechanical ability, kind of looking at game sense. Of course, we look at their ranking because that's one measure that can give you an idea of who's put in the hours, what their skill level might be. It's not the end-all, be-all by any means, but we still use it as A metric to a stat- to see who we think would be on those varsity teams. Run those tryouts, and then we establish our A team. We get a B team if it's necessary, so the, kind of the JV, if you will. Um, and then maybe there's a C team if there's enough interest for games like Rocket League. We have a C team. Um, but those are the developmental ones, and those players will practice and train to try to make it to the varsity level. But we have one varsity team per game that we compete in, Um, and they are not on scholarship, but, uh, they do get work study hours for competing as a performance. So that makes it a little unique as well. Um, but that's kind of how it goes. Open tryout with the coaches and, uh, we just kind of see who we're going to have on that team, but it might change from one semester to the next.
1: Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned you have teams in different games. How do you determine Mm -hmm. what games you compete in and what, you know, leagues or tournaments you guys are participating in?
2: Yeah, student interest. You know, that's really what it comes down to. That's the that's the TLDR answer. Um, the first year that we started the program, there was a Smite tournament. There was a Smite and a Paladins tournament that we wanted to compete in. Well, I thought we wanted to compete in. I wanted to compete in it because it was for like $15,000 for each tournament. And I was like, look, look at all this money you can get. But we didn't really have any Paladins. Pl- I mean, who has Paladins players anymore? Um, and we had like two players that played Smite The other one's played League of Legends. And I was like, oh, you play League of Legends? Come play Smite and see if you can win some money. But the students didn't care about practicing a game they didn't want to play and they haven't played and they didn't see the value there. So I, I was trying to force games on students that they didn't have the interest in and it didn't go well, right? They weren't showing up to practice. They were forfeiting matches. I was like, all right, I'm never doing this again. So we strictly go with where the student interest is. If there's interest to play, CSGO, we'll play CS If there's interest to play Smash Brothers, we're going to play Smash Brothers. So we go with the student interest. We see what teams we can fill out, and that might change from one year to the next. For example, last year, we had a great CSGO team finish fourth in the country in NACE. This year, we don't even have a CSGO team. They've all switched to either Call of Duty or Valorant. So it, it might change from one year to the next. Uh, and yeah, when we determine what competitions to go to, We've been a NACE member for the last four years, and we will continue to play in NACE for the foreseeable future. Uh, And then we look at more regional ones. So we have that national competition through NACE, and then we play regionally through the Mid-Atlantic Esports Conference, which is a really small organization that just started a year ago. Uh, But it's great to play against schools from Virginia, Maryland, and the D.C. area because they're right in your backyard. You know, the national stuff is awesome, and it's great to play against St. Clair and Boise State and... Texas Wesleyan and all those kind of schools, but it's also really great to play against somebody in your backyard, like Randolph-Macon or Radford or Maryland that you can drive to within an hour to an hour and a half to have those competitions. Uh, And so, yeah, we do play some uh, nationally and also some regionally. And the NACE one, yeah, that costs money for membership, totally worth it. And the Mid-Atlantic is free to play in, so the price is absolutely right for me to offer free competition. Uh, But that's kind of how we determine the games we're going to play as well as the tournaments and the leagues that we compete in.
1: That makes sense. I think that, you know, that's the way to do it is that if the students want to play something, then that's what you're going to compete in. Mm Mm-hmm. Um so yeah you kind of touched on a little bit as someone who's running these programs trying to find like standout high school players. So mm-hmm. currently how does this process work? Is do you think this is a new business that needs to be developed that you know more advanced scouting or you know kind of larger databases of top students?
2: Yeah, man, we it needs to be not developed necessarily but expanded. I guess developed and expanded kind of the same word, but you know, I think that, like I mentioned, some companies like eFuse, Stay Plugged In, uh, Be Recruited has been great to also get some emails and see who's out there. Be Recruited is typically done in more traditional collegiate athletics, uh, but they've, they've ventured into the esports space. But companies like eFuse and Stay Plugged In have been really great to work with to make those connections to, to people that are out there because the, one of the biggest problems in esports and education is just making students aware high school students aware of what opportunities exist out there, right? And it's not just competing in esports. sports It's beyond gaming. It's beyond competing. It's what are the academic opportunities? What are the professional development opportunities at the collegiate level? Because there are so many schools and institutions of higher education that are offering opportunities in broadcast production, in coaching, uh, in facility management, in social media that students can take advantage of. But the biggest problem, Justin – It's just that they're not aware. So the more that we can make students and parents, by the way, the more that we can make students and parents aware of what opportunities exist in education through eSports, the better off it's going to be for everybody. The better off it is for those students to find possible scholarships, to find opportunities that make sense for that align with their career opportunities and career aspirations. It's going to be better off for colleges because now we've got more students looking at the things that are being offered across different schools around the country and honestly, globally. And it's better off for students because now their son or daughter is going to find a school that they're passionate about. A lot of students, they go to college because they think they have to. They might be passionate about it, but a lot of students might not be passionate about it. And this is an opportunity that didn't previously exist for a lot of students in high school and now middle school to kind of look at college as an option for them because they want to go to school because now they're, they're passionate about what they can study, what they can do while they're getting a quality education and prepare themselves more adequately to enter in the workforce by the time they graduate. So I think that there definitely needs to be an expanded opportunity connecting high school students with collegiate opportunities. And that is not an easy task. That might sound easy to do, but in practicality, that is not a simple thing to to solve. But I think companies like Stay Plugged In, companies like um, eFuse have done a really good job to help get things started. And as they continue to grow, I think we'll see more and more of them pop up around the world to help connect students to all those opportunities after high school.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, you know, like you mentioned, even learning about the fact that schools are offering scholarships and which ones is, you know, a process in its own. Yeah, for sure. So in addition to working in Shenandoah, you also co-founded Edge. So what is that and what does it do and why did you create it?
2: Yeah, we're still trying to figure it. No, um, we know exactly what we're doing in Edge. It's uh, It's been a it's been a fun ride working with the esports development and growth enterprise Uh, myself and a couple of colleagues of mine started that company about two years ago. And because what we saw is that a lot of schools, they had no clue how to start esports programs. And what they were doing is they, they were just kind of starting them on their own, or maybe reaching out to one or two people, but there was really not many outlets out there to help develop educational and academic programs for schools at the higher ed level, as well as the K through 12 level. So what we did is we've now established ourselves as, More or less, what we really work in is the curriculum development side of things um, because we have developed curriculum for esports at the collegiate as well as the high school level now for schools to implement. And that curriculum is attached to CTL standards as well as uh, SEL standards for education around the country. Uh so so we've really been working hard to develop high-quality esports academic curriculum that we can provide to K through twelve institutions as well as institutions as higher of higher education to, to implement and start teaching because there's a need for that and there's a desire to offer that. Beyond that, you know, we do a lot of site visits, we go to college campuses and we talk to administrators, we talk to coaches about what esports is, because a lot of them have no clue. They just heard the term and want to do something in it. So we talk about what it is and what it can be as an educational opportunity. Uh, We look at their facilities. We look at their facilities. We look at their infrastructure. We look at their academic programming. Uh, We talk to them about things as simple as, here's how to set up a Discord server. But you'd be surprised about how many people have never heard of Discord, but how valuable Discord can be on a college campus to start developing that community on a college campus to get things started. Uh, so with Edge, what we do is it's all encompassing uh, curriculum, collegiate K-12 through esports development that we've worked with schools from big institutions in Madison, Wisconsin, to schools in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, working with schools in Florida, across the country, and really around the world, a couple of places in England and in South Africa we've worked with to understand what esports can be at an educational institution. Uh, as well as working with some great partners like um, Horizon AVL that has done some great facility designs, like Access Alliance, which is a curriculum accelerator, um, and working with them to do things the right way, to take curriculum online, to provide it as a resource for people as they continue to develop them at their own educational institution. And we provide that backbone and support from start to finish and then even beyond finish for the, the longevity of how, how they have an esports program.
1: Well, that's, you know, very interesting and I think pretty useful as you know someone who has seen and been involved in some of these academic classes Mm -hmm. to just see how it's developing and the need for this stuff. You know, I've been on those I've been on those calls with some schools where you have a bunch of, you know, deans and head of academic (laughs) affairs and a few other people saying, we need esports. We don't really know what that means my my <laughs> grandson plays Fortnite, so I think yeah. that's something related to it and <laughs> but then and I think that it's important for someone you know who's well respected and has this track record to be able to advise them and be like, "Yeah, like this is a thing, this is how you do it. This is curriculum that corresponds with these kind of standards that you're familiar with that you can court understand because I think that's the biggest thing. I've noticed whether it's the conversation with the Olympics or, you know, academia is mm-hmm. these individuals that are very well developed in their thought process and their institutions and how they do things being introduced to something that's really outside of their wheelhouse. That's really, I mean, for better or worse, I mean, it's not for them. You know, I, I, I don't like to be that dude, but you know, 56 year old, Men is probably not going to understand what mm-hmm. a, an 18 or a 16 year old kid is going to enjoy by watching three hours of YouTube.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's we're not in it to like be a consulting group that just makes money, but we're in it for the betterment of of esports and education because we want to make sure it's done right. You know, I've looked at a number of curriculums. Um, or curricula uh, across the country that there's no esports classes, but they have an esports like concentration or minor. But the school didn't actually develop any new esports classes. They pulled in, oh, yeah, some sport management here, some media studies there, maybe a business class in accounting. And have, now we have an esports uh, program. I'm like, that's not what an esports program should be because now you're just using the word esports as a buzzword to attract people but you're not adequately preparing individuals for what the industry actually looks like. You're just trying to capitalize on what it could be. So we want to make sure it's done right. Um, And not that we know everything about it. There's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff about esports. We just want to help make sure that programs are setting students up to be successful and getting them the information that they're looking to get. And we're also looking to possibly start an accreditation process to make sure that the curriculum – that is developed at institutions is adequate and it's, it's rigorous and it has the things it needs to have to make sure that the industry is supported, to make sure you're getting the skills needed for the industry, just to make sure that institutions are doing things the right way and not using esports as a way to try to capitalize on this hot idea that's out there without actually knowing anything about esports.
1: Well, I definitely, you know, agree with all of those points. And I, I think that it's definitely a admirable pursuit <laughs> that you have. So, you know, kind of want to bring it towards the end. So what's the future for, you know, Shenandoah's eSports program?
2: Oh, man, if I knew that, if I had a crystal ball for anything with eSports, a crystal ball in general, I could make a lot of money because I have no idea, you know, but I think that's what's fun about it. You know, I think that's what's great about eSports is that we don't know what's going to happen one day to the next. But, you know, at Shenandoah, we're going to continue to grow um, internationally with our partnerships. We're going to continue to find opportunities for students that and even not just unique to Shenandoah, because, again, yes, I work at Shenandoah University. I work at EDGE. But I don't want to just say, no, only SU students get to go travel to Amsterdam. No, I want to partner with other schools in the country to go visit their sites. I want to go see the facilities around the country here in the U.S. at other universities and take those students with us to other places around the world to expose them. Because the more that we can expose all students about what, it, what esports is and what it can be, the better off we're all going to be. Not just Shenandoah students, not just companies who work with it, with Edge, but everybody. So I think the biggest thing for SU is that we're going to continue to grow. We're going to refine our our, uh, broadcast production. That's a big thing we've been working on really hard here at the universities, our broadcast production and getting our content creation up, working on our social media stuff. But we want to develop um, our facilities that serve as a site, as a business incubator. Um, A number of schools are doing this as well. Shout out to Butler. They're doing this in a great way with their new facility up there uh, in Indiana, that they're they're looking to be a business incubator, to have their students competing, working in a site that has other businesses attached to it, where they're constantly integrated and engaging with students and companies, tech industries, for that constant one-on-one interaction, which is really, really valuable for all students. So, I think for us, we want to develop that that kind of opportunity for students here. We want to develop new facilities, especially in the downtown area, and attract local businesses to work with students on a daily basis. We want to grow the program um, from that broadcast production side, also on the academic side. We've got a, um, a new program coming out soon. It has not gone through curriculum, so we got to work on that still. That's going to be around the health education, athletic training of eSports. And it's going to be housed out of our athletic training area on campus. And we're going to help them develop the curriculum from the eSports perspective and work with some of their people over there on the physical therapy, athletic training side to look at the research that is out there and what is currently being taught and, and what the professional industry looks like. For athletic training and esports and health and performance in esports. And so that we can develop uh, the curriculum around that to help the next generation understand how esports and gaming um, has that athletic training atmosphere to it as well. So that's a new program we'll have. We're going to d- keep developing our coaching curriculum as well. The online side of things is about to exp- uh, just blow up for us here to offer more programs online. Uh, So I think that's the biggest thing. Online education, new programs around athletic training, new international and domestic experiences and partnerships for all students, and then that business incubator so our students get that one-on-one interaction on a daily basis with tech companies um, on campus.
1: Well, that all sounds amazing. So what's the future (laughs) of college esports on the competitive side, the academic side? Like, How big can this get?
2: Man, I, it can get huge, Justin, you know, it's, it's already big and I know that's cliche. Oh, it can be so great. Well, it actually can, because if you look at, you know, forecasting, look 10 and 15 years down the road. So look back to what kids in elementary school, middle school are doing right now. They're playing video games. And so we've got to use that as an educational opportunity to develop things on the competitive side. Sure. Offer them an opportunity to compete in college and in high school. Not as a way to go pro necessarily, because once you go to college, you're probably not going to go pro. There'll be a few stories here and there. Shout out to Maryville and a couple of the schools that have some pro players that have come from and go to their school. Um, Those are awesome opportunities, but that's not what everybody is going to have. What they're going to have is our teams that students can go and compete on. While getting an education. And so I think it's a lot of times seen as a recruitment and a retention tool on the competitive side. It will continue to grow companies or not companies, but associations like NACE. We'll continue to offer these awesome opportunities for students to compete, but also to engage in broadcast production and professional development and student engagement, student leadership with the programs coming out in NACE. Uh, And so I think that will continue to develop, continue to grow, just like we've seen the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA grow around the country with traditional sports. We'll see NACE uh, grow with those opportunities on the competitive side and the professional development. On the academic? Yeah, it's, it's also going to grow. I, I've, I mentioned a couple of, of places that are looking at the academic side, but I had two calls this morning with two different schools that are looking at the academic side that just have no clue how to even get started. They're like, we want to have an academic program, a concentration in esports. How do we get started? Well, okay, you can start with this, start with that, look at this, you need to look at these kind of faculty, here are the things to look for. Well, those conversations are getting more and more frequent at a number of schools around the country of different sizes. Private schools, public schools, big research R1 institutions, small liberal arts, teaching based institutions, those academic programs are going to explode. Um, I would say the next five years, we're going to see four or five times as many academic programs as we currently have. And right now there's about 125 to 130 around the world. So you're looking at 600, 700 different academic programs, not courses. One class is not a program, but concentrations, minors, majors, those kind of certificates. We're going to see those opportunities expand beyond belief over the next five years as more and more schools see the benefit that it offers to students, see where the industry is going, see how they can fit in and reach students that have the interest and meet them where they are. So, you know, how big can collegiate esports become? It can absolutely continue to grow. And how it grows is having the right people in the right positions. All the programming in the world is great. But if you don't have the right people in the right positions to be advocates like Doc Haskell, like Adam Antor, um, you know, all these people around the country that are really, really influential and have a Dr. really G. good head. Well, yeah, he's OK too, Um, have a good head on their shoulders. Um, it's going to take those people to help keep advancing the space because they really want what's best for students. And at the end of the day, that's who we have to think about is how can we reach our students to help advance the space in the best way possible. But they can absolutely, Justin, get huge because the right people currently exist and they are great people in the space. They're great eSports people too, but even more so, they're good people that just want to help you. Garvey at Twitch. I mean, there are so many people I could shout out. Justin, you helping to advance the space and do things the right way. So the right people are in the right position and that continues to grow. And that's how eSports can continue to get big and will get big.
1: Well, I really like how that sounds is you know, I'm I'm pretty bullish bullish on it as well. <laughs> one of these days the Florida, Florida State League of Legends match is gonna be just as large as that football game is.
2: That's so. right. And I hope I hope Florida loses. I'm a Georgia guy, so I hope Florida <laughs> loses in everything. Sorry, Florida Gator fans, but uh I'll take FSU in any matchup with Florida.
1: <laughs> awesome. So, you know, I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch?
2: Oh my gosh, my favorite game to watch. Oh man. You know, my favorite game to watch right now is it's got to be Overwatch. I know it's a chaos and, and it just a, an assault on the senses, but I love watching Overwatch. I think it's so fun to see high level players play and the coordination it takes. If people haven't played Overwatch and don't know how, you know, what's going on to the objectives, it's, it's insane to watch, but it is so fun to watch these high level teams compete uh, because you know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to be that level. So I'll say Overwatch.
1: What's your favorite game to play?
2: Oh, yeah. Right now, I knew that was coming. Age of Empires. I am on an Age of Empires kick right now. I'm playing a lot of AoE 2, Definitive Edition. AoE 3, I just finished up. So now, just last night, I was looking. I got to buy Age of Empires 4, give that a shot. So uh, I'm a big Age of Empires fan right now.
1: Okay. So who's your favorite video game character?
2: Oh, gosh. Video game character... You know, it's I, I normally, almost any day, Master Chief is a great one. Of course, Link is a great one with Legend of Zelda. But you know who I'm going to pick? This is outside the box. I just thought this off the top of my head. Is I'm going to pick Conker from Conker, Conker's Bad Fur Day. That That is just a really funny, fun character to play as. And the games are so much fun to play. So I'm going to go with, uh, man, I never thought I'd say that one. Conker as my favorite video game character.
1: Okay, well... That one's news to me. You know, I'm <laughs> Link and hey, Master Chief. That's where I thought you were going with it. But, you know, so this was amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so I'll tell people where they can find you and get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah, you can
2: find me. Um, I guess on the Shenandoah University esports website. My email address: Garizi. That's an awful email address. It's j.g.a.w.r.y.s.i at su.edu. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn. It's just at Joey Gariziac. I'm not creative. I'm not imaginative. I've got the most boring handles for social media in the world. But Joey at Joey Gariziac and Joey Gariziac on LinkedIn. Um, follow me on there. Talk to me on there. Send me messages. I love talking to people and seeing where we can do together so uh, yeah i would love to talk to anybody out there that might have any questions or comments uh, for me
1: well you heard the man if you got any, if you're interested in what they're doing in the space definitely reach out to him and thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on twitter justin J E
3: S Q, and check apple podcast for all our past episodes the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better